This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
Evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know. I wrote a whole book about it, self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, Hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus. I am. Um, And you should also be passionate about the Lord. Sir, if there's... You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. You need to get with the Lord or drive a Ford. Get right or get left. I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to. Again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Okay. Now, if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. Bottom line, sharing my faith makes me sweaty. Uh, Tip number 95, um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily, and the more confused they are, the more shame they are. The more shame they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I believe it's a responsibility, no, the privilege, no, the glorious privilege of every believer to share their faith with others. That's why I share my faith with everyone I come in contact with. Everyone, really? (laughs) Yeah, everyone. How do you do that? Uh... Check out my shirt. Can't read it? Try this glove. Not working for you? How about this bracelet? No comprendo? Vistazo a estos. <laughs> Driving behind me? Read my bumper sticker. says, it's okay if you follow close. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> oh, you're my waiter or waitress? I got a tip for you. Surprise! It's the gospel. I mean, what do you want? Money or eternity? <laughs> I also use these tracks. <laughs> so what about talking to people about your faith? I, I don't really like people, but I love Jesus. <laughs> Scripture mint? Hi, my name is George. And I'm Jorge, and together we're George and Jorge. Right, right. Uh, what we like to do is to take secular songs and reprogram them. Yes, the purpose is for evangelism. We like to take songs to the unbelieving world and make it believable. Right, right. Let us give you a sample right now. Why don't you just give it all up to Jesus tonight? Pray for your soul today, for your soul today. Just pray. I was a freshman in college the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And, you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him and just asking God 
to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life because I realized I needed a Savior. Let's uh, bow our heads. Father, I just want to pray that you would um, touch our hearts today as we open your word. God, do something that I can't do, uh, but the Holy Spirit can. And and Lord, we don't want to be just hearers of the word, but we want to be doers. And just give us your special grace as we go into our time of study today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is week number three in our series entitled, Just a Few Steps. And our series is a call to just take a few steps to help change someone's destiny from hell to heaven. Now, I'm... As I've been preparing, I guess there was just kind of a level of excitement within me because this is something that's really close to my heart. And we're going to look at the matter of how to share our faith. Now, if you're looking for a deep theological message, I will tell you up front, this is not one. But neither was Christ's final message before He ascended up to heaven. Uh, he gave a an action-oriented message to go and to tell to reach those who were headed towards a Christless eternity. And, and that's what today is all about. Now, as we talk about sharing Christ, if you perhaps think, well, this sermon won't be for me because, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a small group leader. I'm not an elder. I'm not a board member. I'm just a regular person. And so really this won't apply to me. If that might have entered your mind, may I kindly but bluntly say that that right there, I believe, is, the, is what's wrong with the church of Jesus Christ. That attitude is. You know, we've come to believe that that's why we hire church staff. I mean, that's why we hire Joe and Jim and, and Silas and, and, and Darren and Tessie, because they're the ones who are paid to share Christ. And, and we as a staff are certainly not exempt from doing that, but do you want to really know our job description as pastors? I mean, straight from the Bible, not, not from a church manual, not, not from a long list of expectations that you might have for your pastors, but here is our job description straight from the Word. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, He is the one who gave these gifts to the church, that meaning Christ, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, here it is, and the pastors and teachers, their responsibility, in other words, their job description is to equip God's people to do His work And build up the church, the body of Christ. Until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. So yes, I I believe as pastors we should, you know, do a certain amount of of counseling and visiting. and, And I was thinking earlier this morning, the long list of expectations. You know, I've been asked questions on uh, uh, marriage and finances and and even in the medical field and even what should I do about my dog that's sick and and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and you know, we, we try to do our best uh, answering those questions, but, but our main responsibility, according to God's Word, is to equip the church to do God's work and build up the church. 
And I have to ask your forgiveness today. I'm sorry I've not always done a very good job of equipping you. Uh, But today's message is an equipping message. It's an equipping message to help us all to be able to share our faith in a very natural way. We're going to kick things off uh, with a general statement that we're going to build on that throughout our lesson. First of all, you must understand, number one, that your words are powerful. What you say, whether it's negative or whether it's positive, carries a powerful punch. In fact, let me give you a few verses from the Bible regarding our words. And, and this first verse is one that just cracks me up. And, and, and sometimes I want to write down this verse and casually slip it in someone's pocket or purse. And you'll understand why when I read it. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 11. The more words you speak, the less they mean. So I overdo it. So for those of us that like to talk, sometimes we just need to put a sock in it. Uh, or how about the scripture that's very similar in Proverbs 17, verse 27. A truly wise person uses few words. Skipping on to verse 28. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. When they keep their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. So according to this verse, even if we're not very smart, and some of us would qualify there, we can at least appear a little bit smart by keeping our mouth zipped. How about this verse? Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Or how about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 9? But even so, the quiet words of a wise person are better than the shouts of a foolish king. You know, they've discovered in, in parenting, and I didn't always follow this, but in parenting, or they even say in teaching, we've got several teachers here, but they say that shouting or yelling isn't near as effective as using your quiet voice. Now, there may be an occasional time to shout or yell. And honestly, I found myself shouting at my grandson about a week ago. Um, we'd gone out to my property, and which borders Clear Creek. And I had taken Jack Pirtle along. He's kind of my buddy, and we like to go out there and... And so we were just kind of walking Clear Creek, and it was a warmer day. And, and you know, the turtles will sometimes climb up on a log, and they'll sun, them, sun themselves. And, and then uh, when you get close to them, they'll just kind of roll off in, into the water. And so I, I was showing Jace, and, and, and Jack couldn't quite focus on it, but Jace was focusing, and he'd see the turtles. But when we'd walk closer, they'd roll off. He wouldn't see it. And so we finally found a place that was a good vantage point. I said, Jace, you stand right here. Here is Clear Creek. And I said, you stand here, a safe distance away. You look at the turtles, and I'm going to carry Jack. And we had to dodge some multiflora rose bushes uh, and some brush. But I said, you watch the turtles. And so we kept walking closer and probably walked 30, 40 yards away from him. And those turtles, there were six, eight, ten of them, and, and they would roll off into the water. Well, we started coming back, carrying Jack, dodging multiflora. All of a sudden, I heard this faint voice. And I looked ahead, and I couldn't find Jace. And so I started, I started yelling for Jace, and I said, Jace! And, and I, I, by then I was, I was starting to get a little panicky and, and screaming his name, and, and he wasn't there. And, and uh, because Clear Creek is about, there it's about 15 feet off, and, and Clear Creek was up, and a lot of places is actually over my head. And uh, he wasn't answering. And then finally I heard this faint voice again, and, 
And, uh, and I kept shouting his name and nothing. And so I hear, here I am with Jack trying to carry him through the multiflora. And, and, uh, and I got up there and then I heard him. And he had fallen the, um, according to him. <laughs> he said, Papa, I was standing about this far away from the bank. And it just caved in. And let me just probably say, you know, knowing Jace, it could have been maybe this close or maybe this close. But anyway, it caved in and he fell about 15 feet. And luckily, there was a little bank of mud so he didn't go straight into the water. And so I, I broke that rule and, and I was screaming his name. And I, I know Jack was probably wondering what's going on with, uh, as he calls me, Papa Joe. Um, but, but as a whole, when you talk to and correct your children at home or, or your students at school, experts as well as this Bible verse says, it's, it's best to turn down the volume and, and uh, use quiet and calm words. There's one more verse, Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. So... If your closest friends or your family members or the people you work with would be polled secretly, which of these descriptions would they attribute to you? Few words or many words? Cutting words or healing words? Quiet words or shouting words? Words that build up or words that tear down? Words that unite or words that divide? Words that attract or words that push away? In fact, let, let's bring it down a little bit closer to home yet. Think about the hour before you came to church this morning. I've found that the hour before church is many times the most unholy hour of the week. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Trying to get the kids ready? Um... But were the words you spoke to your kids or to your spouse or, or, or kids the words that you spoke to your parents? Were they kind, gentle, healing? Or were they the opposite, cutting words that tore apart? So as, as we try to build a foundation for our lesson this morning, as we take a few steps over to someone, our words, remember, are powerful. Now, the second point today... We build on that foundational point. Number two, God has a story, and we need to learn to tell it well. You know, God has an amazing story that, that, that take, includes an amazing plan to save us from our sins and from hell. And be honest today, could you tell God's story and lead someone to Christ? In fact, let, let me create a situation to help bring it down closer because, you know, I, I believe unless we can internalize this and get it down to where we live, where the rubber meets the road, then really it's just going one ear out the other. But let's say that a friend were to come to you and say this, you know, we've been friends for a long time and, and things have gone a little south in our marriage. And my wife and I, well, we were talking about maybe just trying to see if God could make a difference in our marriage, just kind of a last-ditch effort before we pull the plug on our marriage. 
Could you please explain to me what it means to follow Christ? How can I begin a relationship with Him? How would you respond to that question? Could you explain God's story? Now, I know many of you would ace this, and, and you would rattle off Scripture and lead them right to Christ without hesitation, and congratulations to those who can do that. But, but the truth is that I'm quite sure, certain that there would be several of us, maybe many here today, that couldn't do that. You would have to say, well, let me call my pastor, and he can explain it to you, or let me call so-and-so. They, they know a lot about the Bible. Well, I, I want to be kind here, but... I want you to understand my heart. There is truly no excuse for any of us to not be able to present the plan of salvation. Let me say it again. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and I believe many of you would, there is no excuse for not being able to articulate the plan of salvation. This is God's story. This is the most wonderful story in the world. This, this tells us how we can leave a life of sin and be forgiven and experience eternal life in heaven. And so we need to know how to tell God's story and how to tell it well. And so today, with, with God's help, as the scripture says, my job description is I want to try to equip you so that Everyone here will be able to comfortably lead someone to the Lord this week. Now, there are several approaches in telling this story, and, and there's probably no wrong approach as long as it points people to Christ. However, I, however, I found that there are some approaches that make it easier to tell and easier to understand. And there's one approach that I've literally used dozens and dozens of times in our country as well as in other countries. Um, this approach is sometimes referred to as the bridge. Now, the bridge is very simple, almost embarrassingly simple. And, and I don't want to insult your intelligence here. And so forgive me if you think this is too elementary for you. If, if, if it is too easy for you, then come up to me after the service and I'll share another way to lead someone to Christ that's a lot more confusing. And, and, and I'll help you out there. But, but if you're like me and, and you struggle remembering a lot of Scripture, then I think you'll connect with this approach. Here's how it goes. And you can write this out on a napkin or a scratch piece of paper anywhere. But for starters, we have to uh, establish the reality of two entities. On one side, if you go to the graphic, please. On one side, you have a God who is holy. He is perfect. He's righteous, sinless. On the other side, we have people, us, mankind. And we are, uh, we are sinful. Now, because of the fact that uh, holiness and sinfulness do not go together, they do not mix, there is a great chasm between a holy God and sinful people. Now, as the Bible says, it's so true that the people have some innate sense of wanting to know God. And, and we were born with a God-shaped hole. There's a void within us. And, and so we try to fill that God-shaped void by doing things, uh, uh, good things, being a good person, going to church, living a good moral life, and, and giving money to the church or other charitable organizations. And, and many people think that these things down here will get us over to holy God, but they're not the bridge. 
they cannot compensate enough for our sin. And so we remain, so to speak, on the, on the wrong side of the tracks, on the wrong side of the chasm, sinful away from God. But thankfully, there's good news. Because God loved us so much. He came up with a plan. His plan was to choose His Son, Jesus, to come to earth to live and to die on a cross so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And praise God, that, that cross forms a bridge so that sinful mankind, people who are far from God, can now cross over this chasm and be forgiven and begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle John put it this way in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, he has crossed over from death to life. God's story is that simple. Now, I'm not trying to dumb down salvation. I, I realize there are different theological elements that take place. For example, there's prevenient grace. That All that means is that we're restored to a place to where we can even be saved because without prevenient grace, we can't accept the other grace that God has for us. And then Christ becomes the propitiation or, or the appeasement for our sins. And, and then there's the matter of justification where Jesus takes our sin and, and we take on His righteousness. And then there's adoption. He adopts us into the family of God. There, there's some deep, deep stuff that takes place. But I can promise you this, if you start throwing out these long, hairy theological terms, you will lose people in a heartbeat. So as that famous acronym says, KISS, what is it? Keep it simple. And since we're in church, we're not going to say stupid. We'll just say, keep it simple, saint. I think that old cell, cell phone commercial says it right. It's not complicated. And one thing I've learned is that when you're drawing this out, in order to get a read on where someone is, you can ask them, as you look at this visual aid, where would you say you are? I mean, would you say that you're way over here? You know, you, uh, you're, you're still trying to figure out this God thing. Or, or would you uh, say that you're right up here and you're, you know, you've been feeling in your heart that, that you need to do something about your walk with God. Are you, are you here or, or have you... Come over to here. And what I found is that you just ask them to put an X in that drawing that you have on that napkin or whatever. Say, put an X where you are. Um, because that X right there will then give you a clue how to proceed. You know, if they're way over here, they're still working through the questions, does, does God exist? Then there may need to be discussion there. Or if they're right here, then there may just need to be a simple explanation of how to pray and how to accept Jesus. Um, you say, okay, Joe, don't you think we should be quoting a whole bunch of Scripture while we're doing this? Well, you can never go wrong sprinkling in Scripture. But, but, but the problem is that if we design a presentation that's heavy on a bunch of memorized Scripture, two things will many times happen. Most of the time, regular people won't memorize Scripture. Now, that, that's not a legitimate excuse because God's Word says we need to hide it in our heart. But people will just say, well, you know, I just struggle memorizing Scripture and I, I just can't remember it when I, when I, whenever I memorize it. And, but the second thing will happen. Let's say that they might memorize Scripture, 
What happens when you get nervous? You freeze up. And there's a tendency to forget the Scripture. Just kind of silly illustration here, but I, I memorized something many years ago, and I can spout it off anytime you ask. You wake me up in the middle of the night. I can uh, rattle it off. I, I could probably say it in my sleep, honestly. And I, I've uh, given it, I don't think I'm exaggerating it, but this, but probably hundreds of times without a problem. But, uh, and I'm actually talking about my... Uh, uh, my social security number. Uh, I have it down. I know it. That's one thing I know. Um, would you believe the other day I was talking with an agency and you know how they all want you to confirm your social security, the last four digits of your social, and and um, I went blank. Now, I know some of you are thinking, old age, it's not it. Shame on you for even thinking that, or senility. We know it's not that. Um, I went blank. I could not come up with it to save my life. And, you know, I, I, I may forget your name. I'm, I'm, I may forget my name. I uh, may forget where I put my keys. Uh, but I never have forgotten my social security number. But I did that day. And so I believe we should memorize Scripture. We should hide it in our heart and in our mind. But should you freeze up and forget it, the bridge is a very effective presentation of God's story. And it's a method that 100% of us, five years of age and above, we can remember this. Now, you may choose another method, and that's okay. Maybe the Romans road to salvation. You know, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9. That's the, that's the road that points you to Christ. Or, or you may choose to go to Isaiah, the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, and, and, and where the Messiah is prophesied, and then follow that thread up through the New Testament, through the Gospels, where you get to the, the, the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the, the resurrection of Christ, and... Uh, you know, it really doesn't matter what your approach is as long as you're giving a clear explanation of who Jesus is, what He's done, and what we need to do to come to Him. But regardless of your approach, keep in mind these words. Humble words. Healing words. Wise words. Gentle words. And few words. One final thing before we move on. Remember, you're not responsible for transforming the human heart. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Your role, when prompted to do so by the Holy Spirit, is to open your mouth, give a clear and passionate understanding of who Jesus is and what He wants to do for every person. We on the same page so far? Let's go to our last point. Uh, we've learned that God has a story, but you also have a story. And you need to learn to tell it well. You know, if you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a story. And, and your story should have a before and an after. Remember the man in Luke chapter 5 who once had leprosy. And the text says this in verse 12. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he fell to the ground face down in the dust begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you want to, you can make me well again. And Jesus reached out and touched the man. He said, I want to be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. 
Can you imagine what that man told every person who asked him about it? He undoubtedly talked about the before and maybe said, you know, I've been a leper and, and my skin was so angry it was literally burning and rotting off my bones. But, but then there was the after and that changed when I met Jesus. Look at my skin now. It's clean. It's smooth. It's healed. And maybe he said, I remember when I was an outcast because leprosy caused you to go outside of the city limits because you were unclean and you couldn't be close to people. And, and he said, I was an outcast. But he said, praise God, now I'm accepted. And, and maybe he said, I was defiled, but now I'm clean. I was hopeless, but now I have a future. And he had a before and he had an after. And here's the point. For all of you sitting in this room who claim to belong to Christ, you also have a before and you have an after. Now you may say, well, Joe, my story is boring. No, it's not. If God has saved you, listen to me. If God has saved you, your story is not boring. You might not have been a mass murderer, but I have a feeling you were guilty of character assassination through gossip. You might not have committed adultery and crawled in bed with someone that wasn't your spouse, but I have a feeling that you lusted in your heart. And the New Testament says that's the same as adultery. You might not have stolen anything from the store, but you probably stole time away from your employer or, or maybe even failed to give your tithe back to God, which the book of Malachi says is robbing God. You might not have ever told a dirty joke in conversation, but you certainly laughed when your friends did. You might never have gone into the deep sins of action, but your sin was your attitude, legalism, being judgmental, critical of others. So don't ever think that you don't have a story. We all have a story. A story where God came in His mercy. And delivered us from our sins. And changed us from the inside out. And the main thing is to tell the story and, and get to the point. And as, as the door continues to swing open, there may be a place to add more details. But don't be guilty of turning someone off because your story is too long or unclear or just outright weird. In fact, there are several ways to take the wonderful story of how you came to Christ and totally botch it. You want to know how to botch your story? The first way to botch your story is to just drone on and on and on and on. Um, remember, few words, no 18-page, two-hour renditions of the plan of salvation. Short is sweet. The second way to botch your story is to lay out a string of four-syllable Christian insider words. So let's just have an agreement here. No big, hairy words. Deal? Is that okay? No Hepzibahs. If you've never heard of that, you can do a search. That's Hezekiah's wife, but also it refers to, to a uh, prophesied restoration or, or Beulahs. Anybody ever hear of Beulah? Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. Uh, or propitiation or, or white throne judgment. Or, you know, don't have those words in your before and after you know, these things may eventually need to be brought out. I mean, we don't want to be an inch deep in our Christianity. There needs to be some depth, but, but not when you're presenting the plan of salvation. Your goal is not to impress them with how smart you are. Okay? 
You're not there to impress them. You are there to simply point them to Jesus Christ. Third, your story will not be accepted if you pull out a weird God story. Now, all of us have probably had those special times that that were so real and meaningful, and maybe we were just in our quiet time with God, and, and God came to us. Maybe we heard a voice, or maybe we saw the stars line up like a cross or something. I don't know. Um... But if we told that to someone that was interested in finding Christ, they would probably roll their eyes and look for the door. So don't start off with a weird God story. There may be a place and a time for that later on, but don't begin with that. And then finally, your faith story will blow up and leave a trail of smoke a mile long if you play the holier-than-thou card. If you act like you have everything together and like they don't, Like they're inferior, like that one guy on the video, you know, those heathen. Uh, What did he say? Holy water on vampire or something like that. Um, You know, if you act like you're better, you are headed for the ditch. Let's, uh, Let's try to wrap it up. And today I believe we've discussed one of the weakest areas in the church of Jesus Christ. It's time for all of us to learn how to tell God's story and how to tell it well. And then it's time for us to learn how to tell our story. And and here's what I want us to do. This is your assignment as a congregation. I want you to practice the bridge illustration. Practice it to your spouse or in the mirror, to your dog or cat, cow, whatever. And and I put uh, just... A rough sketch in your bulletin so you can put this in your Bible. No peace with God. You can look at it there. And then the back tells us how to have peace with God. And then if you haven't ever written down your story, why don't you do so? And here's, here's the guiding line for your story. A hundred words or less. Again, no 18 pages or anything like that. Um... Use the before and the after concept. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And make it clear because 1 Corinthians 14.9 says in the Message Bible, if you speak in a way no one can understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? So if people aren't going to understand, why are you wasting their time and yours? And here's the last thing, perhaps the most important thing I want to say today. You know, we've talked about how to share Christ. But I think... The most tragic thing ever would be for us to learn how to share Christ, but never to accept Him personally. You know, that's what I've been finding. Seems like in among so-called Christians is that because we've grown up in the church and because we know the insider words and because we do the good things, a lot of people think that that's their ticket to a holy God. And I'm afraid uh, today there are some people that are still on the wrong side of the chasm. And so I I ask you, as we go to our visual aid one more time, uh, I ask you, which side are you on? In fact, could I just ask you, if you were to put an X where you are, where would you be? Would you be on this side where... You're still wrestling, still struggling, 
unsure? Would you be right at the very edge just needing somebody to go ahead and coax you to take the step of accepting Christ? Or would you say, you know, I'm not perfect, but I've given my heart to Jesus. I'm a follower of Him. And so this morning before we leave, I I, I just want to... I'm just going to shut up for just a few seconds. And I want you to look at this. And in your mind, I want you to put an X where you are on this visual aid. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? I want you to answer honestly. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm certainly not perfect, but I have taken the step. I've crossed over the bridge, the cross, and I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I know that today. Would you just lift your hand so I could rejoice with you? Praise God. Hallelujah. Maybe there are a few of you, put your hands down. Maybe there are a few of you that would say, "Uh, Pastor, honestly, I'm not quite sure where I am. I'm still confused and sometimes I think I'm okay sometimes I think I'm not and and I'm kind of confused in this would any of you just want to lift a hand and say pray for me because I, I, I need to know I want to know thank you I see your hand I see your hand I see your hand anybody else I see your hand see your hand thank you thank you one more question for you would there be anybody here that would say pastor I, I know where I know I'm not ready to meet Jesus. I'm uh, still full of sin. I'm not a bad person, but yet I haven't received Jesus. I haven't received His forgiveness. Would you just pray for me? Eyes closed, nobody looking. Just lift your hand. Is there anybody that would just say that? Just pray for me, Pastor. Now I'm going to ask you to stand. And You know, if you didn't know, if you don't have the assurance of your sins forgiven, I would... I would just invite you to come and you know we don't embarrass you we don't want to do any of that kind of stuff but if if you know we're, we're talking about uh, eternity and so if there's anybody here that would like to come and pray at the altar and maybe you want to pray for yourself maybe you want to pray for a family member you've been burdened for them whatever I want to give you just a few seconds here to come before we pray our final prayer. You want to come and you want to maybe receive Jesus, pray for someone else. And if you want to just kneel here at the steps, somebody else want to join them. And maybe we could have some ladies that would just come and, and, and surround these and pray with them. Ladies, could we have some people that would just come up and support these that have come and Someone else want to come and you want to pray and you want to maybe receive Jesus into your heart. Anybody else? Could we have another lady that would come with this one right here, please? That's uh, praying and just those of you that are working with them, find out what the needs are. Just talk with them, communicate with them, and pray their point of need. Someone else? Let's pray together. 
Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to uh, know you. Father, sometimes I think we've just known about you. We've known your word. We've known about you, that you're a wonderful God, but we've never actually known you personally and intimately. And God, I pray that you would just be with those who have come forward right now. And Lord, I believe some are praying maybe for someone else or some may be praying for themselves and that they would, Lord, that they would find, uh, find what they're longing for. Lord, I pray that you would help them to cross over that bridge, the cross that enabled us to have life and have it more abundantly, that, that you would help them to accept the precious gift of salvation. Lord, I pray for the many that raised their hand, said, we're not sure, we're not sure where we are. And, and God, I just pray that right now you would begin to settle down upon them and that they would have clarity and if Satan maybe has clouded them and, and they've made that commitment, but Satan is just really bringing confusion to them that, Lord, they would just drive us some stakes down and say, here I am, I've made my decision. But Lord, there may be others that uh, they truly haven't taken that step, first step, and I pray that you would just give them the, the ability to do so. And Lord, I, I just pray for... I pray for the people this week that we're going to come in contact with. Lord, don't let us shy away from speaking these words. And Lord, we don't want to force the issue. We've already dealt with that. But as the Holy Spirit opens doors, as we take a few steps, God, that we would give a clear, concise presentation of your story. And then, Lord, we can follow it up with our story of how you've saved us from a life of sin and you've given us hope again. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would prepare some divine encounters this week so that we would be able to uh, share this wonderful story that you've given us. And so, God, I thank you right now for those that have come that are praying here and for those that have been praying back there at their seats. Lord, let us just be true blue followers of Jesus Christ. And Father, for what you do for us, we will praise you and thank you. We ask this in the strong, wonderful, powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, before you go, let me just, uh, and, and these that are here, you can pray as long as you need to, but I want to just call you to a life of making a difference this week. Take a few steps towards someone that needs Jesus and give them the best story that they will ever hear. Thank you for coming. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.